Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast. If you would like to see full, unedited video recordings of our podcast, ask listener questions, or be thanked by name on each episode, please support the show by subscribing at patreon.com backslash Southern Bramble. I am pleased to announce we have a new additional tier in our Southern Bramble Patreon. At this time, I'd like to personally thank Seashaw for sponsoring this episode. Without your support, these messy queens would be even more all over the place. If you would like to personally sponsor the show and be mentioned at the beginning of each episode, subscribe at patreon.com backslash Southern Bramble. You're listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of crooked ways. I'm Marshall, the witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin, being X Bramble on Instagram. And today we have a very special guest with us. They are Hexoterica on Instagram and TikTok, I believe. Yes, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. So, yeah. And um, we're bringing them on today. Actually, what are your pronouns? Sorry? He, them. Any pronouns, really. Okay, perfect. 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 And um, we're going to be discussing a bunch of topics today. So, Damien, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. I always find these really nerve-wracking because I'm like, how do I make myself sound as interesting in as little words as possible? (laughs) Don't take the little Um, words. Take all the words. Okay. All the words. We're we're recording. Thank you for giving, um, giving me the okay, but... Hello, uh, my name is Damien. I am the resident witch behind the curtain of Hexaterica on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, when I'm not doing that, I am very much a homebody, <laughs> very much staying away from like the outside world. I enjoy uh, books, vintage movies. Um, yeah, my life outside of the internet is a lot less interesting than I make it look to be. I've seen some, <laughs> I've yeah. seen some of your stuff. Um, I think uh, we followed each other quite a while ago, actually, yeah, and yeah. we don't know each other too well. Um, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. But <laughs> you, like, when I see your page, I think of pop culture. I think of like niche horror films and um all these like vintage movies and it, it it is very much so like I think like one of the jokes that Marshall and I always have is um it's not a Bane X Bramble or it's not a Southern Bramble episode until we bring up a movie reference at least one oh, and yeah, so <laughs> I think that this is going to be um really fun um can you tell us about sure. your journey into witchcraft and um how you came to be here for sure um first of all thank you those are all really good descriptors of like the kind of mood I try to bring so that like thank you for letting me know that I'm doing what I want to do uh my journey well I mean witchcraft and the occult has always been present like ever since I was young but more so in a entertainment aesthetic kind of way never as an actual spiritual path Uh, so the the optics of it were very much present to me but I didn't start pursuing it like seriously spiritually until I believe like the middle of the pandemic 
I was going through a really rough patch mentally and emotionally. And it really was this instance of, I've tried everything else. I've done religion, I've done therapy, which have each had their own uh, you know, rewards. But then at that particular time, it just wasn't cutting it for me. So I was just like, why not? Like, what do you have to lose to, by actually like just exploring all of this stuff? And it actually turned into a very um, rewarding and very eye-opening experience since then. So that's basically just how I fell into it. When you say eye-opening, yeah. Is there any examples you could share or like things that you feel like you could um, uh, uh, put to words? Definitely. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, because when I first went into it, it was very much a a quick fix. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, how do I, how do I feel good? How do I, you know, take my power back in a very uh, instantaneous kind of way? But then going through it and actually looking at uh, all of the, you know, all of the of the history and, and the cultures behind it and the uh, and the, the meaning behind the practices, uh, the one thing that really stood out to me was in order for at least myself to really grasp what this was about, I couldn't just jump to feeling good, you know, and feeling powerful and feeling like in my element. It was very much a process of learning to recognize those dark and like icky places of myself that I didn't like to look at. And then actually not just acknowledging them, but also embracing them and loving them as much as I loved, you know, the parts of myself that were a lot more shiny. So mm. that for me, it's like, and that's something that's been a constant. It's like, oh, you know, whenever I'm feeling down or whenever I'm feeling just not a hundred percent, it's like, I constantly remind myself that that's part of the power. That's part of, um, it's all about the duality. You know, you can't have the light without the darkness as cheesy as that can sound, but that's very much uh, the like cornerstone of where my practice has like leapt off from. And yeah, it's just, it's an ongoing journey as of right now. You know, I think that's something so many listeners and practitioners are gonna resonate with because mm. I mean, it does, I'll put this as bluntly as possible. It doesn't yeah. sound pretty to say I joined for a quick fix. I found this yeah. for a quick fix. But I think mm -hmm. many of us are searching for a place of power when we feel really powerless. And it's we're for not sure. we're not looking for a long time spiritual path always. We're looking mm -hmm. for a way to feel like we are in control in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely, I know that's one of the yeah. one of the reasons that I got into witchcraft when I was so young, because you know, I was a, I was a bullied preteen not even knowing that I was gay yet and yeah. it it was a way for me to feel a little bit more in control and along with the aspect of learning witchcraft came so much more with it so thank you mm -hmm. for explaining that I really appreciate that thank you mm -hmm. I know so I was the one that wanted to reach out and ask you to come on because I had seen a lot of your work on TikTok I'm chronically on TikTok late at night. I literally yeah. go to bed earlier <laughs> so I can lay awake at night looking at TikToks. Um, Fantastic. I, I may cut that out. <laughs> well, no, because I think it's good to to let the world know because you, you know, posted it's it on, on Twitter. Is and it's like Twitter between Twitter and TikTok because that's when you dump and I see mm -hmm. your stories at oh yeah at like 10 p.m. my time 11 p.m. my time and then also on Twitter it's like the chronic um just dumping of like the most unhinged mm -hmm. memery and things like that it's hilarious <laughs> well things that just bring me joy and I love when I come across 
um, your page because you, you, you. you said it so beautifully to Austin with like the vintage, with the like uh, um, dark, there's like this very, very elegant, dark aesthetic. And I love the way that you, you create a mood when I get, yeah. I, I don't think of your videos just as TikToks. I think of them as, as mood boards. Like you start with the spraying. Wow. So there's an instance that, that ASMR <laughs> sound comes through with the spraying on your hands. And then, and then you very, very elegantly speak about what you're doing. You're talking about it. And then every now and again, it's my favorite. You'll throw something super cheeky in at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to mix it up a little bit. No, I love that. It's, it's yeah. not only entertaining, it's educational. And um, yeah, thank you. I think there is a, a really, really, there's a really, really fine tune aspect of, of being a teacher while also mm. recognizing that I'm not here to be your teacher. I'm also learning. I'm oh, sharing, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I'm sharing what I'm doing along the way. So I just yeah, wanted to, yeah. to say it specifically, like it, it was not only entertaining, it was very educational. So I was glad thank to come you, across it. And I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm very glad yeah. to be here. Thank you. I think, um, there's like this, this, uh, I know Marshall and I, in our most recent episode, we talked a lot about aesthetics. Mm -hmm. We talked about um, how pop culture influences, not only I think witchcraft as a whole, but I think it's also the, the way it affects our craft and mm. the perception of witchcraft have both of you, I know you have Marshall, but have you seen the new Hocus Pocus? Yes. <laughs> that didn't sound hopeful, which is okay. That That's fine. Yeah. How did you feel about it? Okay. Um, I really went into it wanting to be open-minded because <laughs> it, it's, been, it's been three decades since the original came out, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to expect something that was going to live up or not live up to, but just be like, you know, a, tr um, a continuation of what I grew up with as a child with the Hocus Pocus. So with that being said, for what it was, you know, this, this Disney plus modern movie of the three witches, I thought it was a nice film. Like, you know, it was fun, entertaining uh, <laughs> and a good time. Like I had a good time watching it, but as a Hocus Pocus sequel, I felt that it, it fell really flat for me. Well, Marshall, how do you feel about that? <laughs> to be uh, the, yeah, I just to, opened up the floodgates. <laughs> no, actually, um, I'm a, I'm a huge believer and freely speaking yeah. your mind and sharing your opinion. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, mm -hmm. I think everyone's experience, especially for such a huge movie for so many of yeah. us millennials, like, like that was a yeah. huge movie for us. Came out in 1993. I was like seven years old. And mm -hmm. It, it was it was one of those things that we grew up building memories around it. And so sure, yeah. the way that we look back at it now that I'm like in my mid thirties, I'm going to have a very different expectation from what you might have because of the memories mm -hmm. that you built around it. And to be perfectly honest, uh, yeah. I know I've been like shitting on people online who say negative things about it, but it's all <laughs> in good fun because because yeah. we all like different things and and I like I see you love like vintage movies and I love vintage horror mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people who are out there who would never sit down and watch an old black and white movie you know so it's all so about sad. what you enjoy and and I just want to make sure I put this out there I fucking loved it <laughs> I loved it so yes, yes, much yes. I just I, I'm yeah. not going to get any spoilers away for people who haven't mm -hmm. seen it yet if you haven't yeah. why the fuck not 
Mm-hmm. Why not? It's been out. You can get a I... seven day free trial. <laughs> the but, way on, that I on. felt so pressured to watch this fucking movie before mm. this this episode. To, I watched it two nights ago. What is mm-hmm. today? Mm. Friday? Friday? I watched it two yeah. nights ago. Um, so so that I was like, if I don't watch it now, I know I'm not gonna have time to watch it Thursday, and I know I'm not gonna have time to watch it Friday. So I had to watch it on Wednesday because I knew. And funny enough, I'm the one who brought it up. But I just knew I was going to be scorned if I didn't watch it. (laughs) Um, But there is a reason that I brought it up. And that is because she's like, and circling back to the topic, um, I brought it up because I think both of these films, regardless of your opinions on them, Mm. is granted, it is what Disney is doing is hopping on this trend of like, taking villains and giving them explanations for their behaviors which mm-hmm. i think is very fascinating and gives a, a more yeah. nuanced very fascinating it gives mm-hmm. a more uh nuanced uh view to to the very romanticized uh way that disney is which is always like a like a black and white like good versus evil dichotomy yeah. but um the the point that i'm making is that these two movies within 30 years of each other have greatly varied in their depictions of witchcraft. Now, Mm. the 1993 film was never meant to be anything but a campy, humorous take on witches and New England folklore and and things like that. Like, obviously, uh, child murder sucking the <laughs> soul out of them uh not harvesting their blood not, not, harvesting, yeah, their not blood. harvesting their blood yeah and <laughs> Un- unlike um that news story floating around but um uh and making packs with the devil right yes. but it's camp and that's also what makes yeah. it great but even in this film there's like depictions of ritualized mm-hmm modern witchcraft which i think is i mean it's not done i i think in a distasteful way i don't think it's mm. it's done in any particular i mean it, it, you know spoilers um she burned angelica leaves i was yeah, like yeah i was about to say the angelica mm-hmm. i was like oh what a wonderful what a really really interesting way to uh, kind of tie it back to something that I would do, you know, if mm. I had Angelica laying around. I don't use yeah. that, but I have before and it smells nice. Um, mm-hmm. Well, even the spell that was performed, I'm not going to give away any clues, but there was a major spell that was performed by the sisters. And mm-hmm. it was very much like a coven of three might perform together. It was very mm-hmm. much like an altar set up. It was, it was yeah. like, I feel like, and, and, and funny enough, there was a recent interview that's been going, making its way around on social media of Kathy and Jimmy talking back in 1993 mm-hmm. when the movie mm-hmm. came out, talking about how she wanted to make sure we weren't going to, we need to make this so ridiculous that we're actually not going to offend real witches. She was, she was cognitive of that in 1993. Yeah. I think it's, it's cool that now not only as we talking about this 30 years later, we're including altars, we're including like real aspects of modern witchcraft. And um, mm-hmm. of course it was totally like done up and Disneyfied. But yeah. I think that was just really cool because it reminds me a lot of what I consider a lot of my craft to be folkloric magic and, mm-hmm. and folklore informs my craft. There are different types of bits of magic and spells and chants that might come from uh, uh, poems or, or different types of, of story tales or things that I've even written myself. So 
yes, it's fantastical, but I like how they, they hid in plain sight what I would consider to be real aspects of modern witchcraft. And I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. But let's get back to the outline. <laughs> let's get back. Okay. So anyways, yeah. um, I want to talk to you about, so this is a queer witch podcast. We are yeah, two yeah. queer witches. Do you, do you mind sharing how you identify with our audience? Yeah, I'm just gay. Just gay, excellent. Regular, regular old gay. Regular old gay. I love being a regular yeah. old gay too. Ruin <laughs> the towel. Regular old gays have arrived. That's yeah. right. Um, so has that affected your craft in any way? Uh, certainly. I, I don't, not in the ways where I do things just because I'm gay, except for maybe like, you know, love work or like glamour stuff. Sure. But I've always felt, and I think this is why, you know, and I think witchcraft resonates with a lot of queer people is that the journey of the witch is very paralleled with the queer journey as well, because it's very much about, at least the way I interpret it, like finding truth, finding power, finding how you, uh, first finding your own power and then finding how that relates to everything else in the world. And as I say that, like for me, I'm like, oh, that's very interchangeable, at least in my personal journey between witchcraft and, and being a queer uh, gay man. So uh, it's very it's very hand in hand where the more I discover things about my, my craft and, like, and, and just the occult in general, I'm simultaneously finding things out about myself as a queer man, as a gay man, uh, because it is, it's very, um, like and the way that I view it is like even before like the burning times before the witch had this very negative connotation in some you know in some circles when they were thought of it just oh the healer or you know the medicine woman they were all, they were still like on the outskirts you know they were still like on the edge of the village so it's always been this kind of fringe existence um, so I feel like those two identities walk very much hand in hand for me at least no I I, I yeah. totally agree I know yeah. I mean, I came out as a witch before I came out as gay. So, wow. <laughs> like, like, you know, I didn't come out till I was like 13, 14 years old. And, yeah. oh no, 14 years old. And, and I discovered like my first book of witchcraft when I was 12 in sixth grade. And it was one of those like mm. weird things where I knew I was different. You're mm. just that, you're just that young enough to not understand how different or why different yet. And discovering witchcraft made me feel like I, I got something here. Like, I don't know if this is it, but like, it's something that made me feel like I wasn't so on the fringe, if it makes sense, or at least I found a Mm. home within it. And, and I I totally see what you're talking about because from then on, um, even now coming back, because I took a long break from it all through my twenties, all of spirituality, Mm. I just totally just blocked out for, for a good decade and coming back to it in my thirties, it's been a very large whirlwind of self-discovery and, and new ownership, um, getting involved in an online community, which is something I never had before. Mm -hmm. Um, it really opens up like the conversations that we are having right now is something two years ago I have never had. And yeah, yeah, for sure. To have these conversations and, and, and these platforms to meet other people who are literally going through some of the same things that I went through. It's, Mm -hmm it's a journey that I'm really, really glad I got on. So thank you for sharing that with us. I am curious. um, What does your practice look like? Or how, 
what are some of the details about your practice you can give of us whatever you feel comfortable sharing yeah um it's it's funny because I feel like I'm at a point now where I think I've gotten like a a good enough handle on just like the basics the basic knowledges of uh, knowledge of things and it's very much a point now of, of being a lot more intuitive so it's not necessarily following certain steps you know like I'll, I'll acknowledge it and I'll see what like what was written before and then I'll see how I can kind of personalize that and make it my own because in the beginning I was very you know I come from a Catholic background so I'm so about routine and structure and all of that stuff. So that's how, how I really approached my craft was very ceremonious, very solemn, very serious. And that definitely had, you know, its effect, its, its rewards. But then as I'm growing, like I'm noticing now that if I, you know, play Britney in the background while I'm lighting candles or doing my rituals, it elevates it so much more because it's more connected to who I am. You know, so it's it's really now it, there's nothing like really specific that I have that I do except like, you know, leaving offerings on like my ancestor altar, uh, lighting intention candles every day, um, burning incense. But as of right now, it's really just like feeling things out and finding what works best for me personally. Would would you say um, you work with any deities or would you say you work with more land-based or is that something you're still kind of uh, evolving in your practice at the moment? It, it's, def it's definitely something that's evolving. When I first started and, and I still very much hold Hecate very dear to me because she's, she's very much, my communion with her was very much how my discovery of like, you know, the divine darkness was, was discovered. Uh, I find though, like through my personal experience that she kind of just opens the door for you and then she leaves, you know what I mean? So it's it's like, she shows you like, oh, you can do this and then she goes. Um, so it's not like a, a continuous necessarily uh, working relationship. I still like leave offerings for her uh, just for gratitude and um, you know reverence and veneration. But I wouldn't say that I work with her. I don't petition, I don't petition her for anything necessarily unless I feel like I really, really, really need it. Um, you know, you're not the first person to say that to me. I, I've heard this multiple times of, of Hakate yeah. being like this gate opener, this this gatekeeper. Obviously, that's that's literally mm -hmm. what she is. But I mean, yeah. no, she can't be there all the time. She's got three yeah, roads to take care of. She's got a lot exactly. of directions to go. She's no, got I'm a there. lot of directions, honey. She's got yeah. three faces. They're all watching one way. No, that's funny. You're also uh, not the, per the only person who's told me that either. I think this is like a, a reoccurring theme that I see happen with a lot of especially because for a moment there it was like and still is I think most people are very aware of Hikate in this pop media sphere um yeah. I remember the first time the chilling adventures of Sabrina like named Hikate I was like very aghast and mm -hmm. I think um for a lot of people it's like an entry point or a familiarity with this mm. um this deity that has accrued so much um lore on on people who are queer on mm. um you know the the very ends of the hedgerow the the strangers and the outcasts and things like that mm -hmm. yeah now I know we didn't actually even mention yet. You live in the Pacific Islands, all the way over in Saipan, I do. right? Yes, I do. Yeah. 
And you just mentioned that you had a Catholic background. Is your family Catholic? Yeah. Oh, very, 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 very is, much. Is so. that the predominant yeah. religion over there? Yes, yeah. very, very, very Catholic. And if not, then some some denomination Christian. So, but Catholic is very much is very much the head honch over here. What yeah. what was that transition like? A uh, uh, kind of transitioning from being Catholic to mm. to would you identify as pagan or or just a witch or how would you yeah like i think just a witch witch spiritual <laughs> excellent <laughs> vague terms <laughs> i mean does your family does your family know some of yeah most of them do uh i don't disclose it to you know the old like the, my older family members just because sure. it, i don't think it's you know uh it's gonna add to our relationship at all <laughs> if they mm. know that and I still, I don't, you know, I, 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 I uh, like I said, I grew up Catholic. And although there is a lot of disconnect from the institution that is the church, um, I can't sit here and say that it hasn't, uh, you know, has, have, have, it hasn't had, you know, good things or haven't had, have got, haven't received good things from it. Mm-hmm. And there is a very definite connection there, but mostly through family, not necessarily because I uh, connect in the ways that the church says I should connect, you know. Uh, but yeah, the transition was, you know, funnily enough, pretty, pretty seamless because Catholicism in and of itself, I feel is very witchy. It's very ritualistic. It is. It's so ritualistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going into like, you know, laying out offerings and doing these like really um, calculated steps. It, it came pretty easily in that sense, in the practical sense. Um, I do feel that there's a lot of residual, like, apprehension towards certain things in the craft, you know, when it comes to darker entities, darker energies. Uh, yeah, I haven't been personally looking into, like, Luciferian or Satanic things, but mm-hmm. uh, there is still that, that conditioning to be very wary of those things in me. And not to say that it's something that, you know, I'm actively pursuing, but one thing that I really notice or that I'm very aware of now is duality. And like, you know, just because like God and Satan need each other, <laughs> you know, they need, the, if one doesn't exist, it kind of negates the, the need for the other, you know? So I'm kind of trying to view it from that practical kind of um, pragmatic lens as opposed to being like, oh, everything that comes from this side is absolutely not something that I should be looking into. You know, it's not as black and white as a lot of people would like to say that it is or believe that it is. No, I, I absolutely agree. I'm a, um, some of the things you were describing earlier reminded me a little bit of what some people would describe as like shadow work is kind of finding mm-hmm. that other aspect of yourself and, and and the things that, you know, we kind of grew up as young queer witches we yeah. kind of like put aside we, we we tuck them away in a dark closet we didn't want they were the ugly parts of ourselves the parts that we don't want to show others um they don't fit in the mask and yeah. we kind of get to a point where okay sustaining this is not plausible anymore this is the 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 root of my anxiety this is the root of my depression this is the root of why i'm having a hard time functioning day to day and so yeah. i like that you shared how specifically Akate, but witchcraft kind of opened up that door into finding it again, because it really did for me as well. I've become so much more comfortable um, in my, in, in my personal psyche. 
Mm. I've become more comfortable in my body. I've become more comfortable in, and kind of like my intuition. I think that's something that really kind of comes from discovering that that duality lives within us at all times. And you can't just pick and choose one over the other. Even it's funny to take it back to Hocus Pocus and Disney. Like <laughs> there, there really is, uh, um, I don't want to say a romanticization, but there really is a backstory to every villain. Um, yeah. There's reasons why we do the things we do. And it kind of, um, I'm not saying that it's like as good as trauma therapy. That's, that's what I'm saying. We are a pro, pro therapy podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am saying that it, it's, it's helpful and it helps you see that when you reconnect those things and take those things out of the closet and start wearing them and being proud of them because they're part of you, you can kind of reconnect again. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah, I think that what you were saying, it is as much as I think this word gets thrown around like a lot, Mm -hmm. it it is um, allows us to view the world through a more complex lens there is a bit of nuance to that and I think when we start to look at individuals as complex people whether that's ancestry um you know obviously we we want to find the easiest answer for people um for for situations for people for um things like that and I think what to to give a good context of Disney, um, there is this complexity that they're trying to add to some of their their new films. And I think too, that the witch stands in that as well as there is a complexity to these villainous creatures, these, I, I call us, like, I allow us to be monsters. And I think that's, mm. the, like, monstrous beings. And I think that's totally fine. I'm, I embrace that. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so I think that there is a complexity there. And I think you okay. highlighted that very well. So living across the world in, in Saipan, funny enough, actually, my mom was born in Guam. So as I was looking up where you live. No way. Yeah, my mom that was born in crazy. Guam. That is crazy. Okay. And, uh, her father was stationed there when she was born after marrying yeah. my Nana. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's funny. They've lived in like really strange places. My, my, my Nana was born in Roswell, New Mexico. Um, wow. So, like she was there when the yeah. supposed landing happened and she's very hesitant to discuss it. So that's another story for another day. Um, and then, uh, she, she met my, my, my granddad and then they got married and literally as soon as they got married he was like how would you like to go have a tropical honeymoon and she was like absolutely he goes perfect two years in guam he was in the air force <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay that, that uh, sounds like a, a common story <laughs> yeah <laughs> from uh, military in guam yeah my mom was born there and um to this day, we still actually have Guamanian ribs for her birthday every single year. So that's I so cool. We we're pretty obscure, like Chamorros, that's what we're called, the indigenous people, but like we pop up in the most random places, like here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'll have like interactions with people across the world. And um, you know, there'll, there'll be those funny little connections where I'm like, wow. It, which which kind of just like makes me think of like you know, divine timing and stuff. And like, I'm coming into contact with people that I need to come into contact with to have like a flighty, you know, spiritual conversation about 
No, I, I absolutely agree. I'm a big believer in a lot of um, natural synchronicities. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that like, oh, there's this big web that we're all supposed to follow a fate, but I do think that synchronicities yeah. happen and I think they happen um, knowledgeably with a reason. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's really cool. It's still, I mean, food carries so much culture into this day, like almost over 60 years later, we're still enjoying this, these Guamanian ribs every single year. Mm-hmm. And so it's a piece that, of, of where my mom was born, she gets to carry with her and share with her family. And, and I don't have any kids and I'm not going to, but I will mm-hmm. make them when I learn the <laughs> recipe and share them down the line with other people so it can continue. Um, but yeah, just a little side story that's I thought I'd share. I know, that's so those cool, sound, wow. Those sound delicious. I'm actually not familiar with where that is. I've heard yeah. the name. Um, not a lot of people are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I was I was looking at uh, that's what I've been doing. I had yeah. to look that up like pretty early on, and uh, you are quite quite far out there. Yeah, I'm a I'm an ocean away. I like when I you yeah. look at it on a regular map. It's typically not visible, and so they'll have yeah. a square that like zooms in on this one particular exactly. art part of the map. It's like, oh, look at that. Now, I'm curious. How does society look at witchcraft in part of the, the part of the world that you're in? I know we talked a little bit about familial stuff, but mm-hmm. if you feel comfortable sharing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a good question because I don't I don't know if I personally it's not like I go around and ask people. Uh, Hi, but what do you think of witchcraft? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like what do you think, man on the street. Do you interviews. fear witches? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, and I was thinking about that in, in the prompt and I was like, you know, what, what is our attitude? And like I said, it's a predominantly Catholic, uh, pop, uh, society here. So in theory, you know, I feel like they are actually pretty okay with it. But if you call it that, if you call it witchcraft then they'll have a problem with it, but there's also very much a very strong, um, local indigenous belief in land spirits and ancestor spirits in folk medicine in healing like natural healing that kind of thing so you know pre-colonization i'm sure that there was and funny enough like we do have witch doctors who are you know understandably very secretive about about the practice i believe it's like a from what i hear it's a hereditary thing like you can't just go in and, and learn it uh, but it's like the one thing that we have that's truly our own because everything else about our culture has been very diluted by, um, you know, America, by the Japanese, by the Germans. So that's very much our, I, at least from my knowledge, our last remaining connection to who we were, you know, truly as a people, truly as, as these Pacific Islanders. So it's it's still very much a part of our culture, but given the, you know, the Catholic and the Christian Abrahamic religion influences over, over us, we don't call it that. We wouldn't, we wouldn't consider it to be witchcraft, but, you know, the textbook definition is, is pretty witchy. Well, it's kind of become its own folk Catholicism of the people there. Like, I'm sure it's, I bet you it doesn't look like the same Catholicism that you might see over directly in the middle of Rome or in the middle of Kentucky. Like it may mm. not look exactly the same. Um, yeah. I know folk folk Catholicism in Italy has all sorts of of very localized, very um, local folk contributed uh, uh, hand me down practices from from mm-hmm. the end from their ancestors. So I can imagine. I assume that that's kind of like come up with a lot of the Catholic traditions they have there as well. Yeah. 
I'm sure, and you know, I'm sure like people do stuff at home that they don't mm. talk about with other people, uh-huh. you know, because like, um, you know, we love, we love like our statues and things and like, pe- there's just like little things that I feel like are remnants of a lot, a lot more, you know, witchier spiritual time from before Catholicism that we've just adopted uh, and people like, you know, personalize it, make it their own in their own houses, but they don't necessarily talk about it in, in like, you know, social circles. Yeah. Absolutely. Where I li- oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say where I live, I, I, I very much work with the land that I live on, the trees, the, mm-hmm. the, the type of things that I grow in my own garden or that grow naturally or that I forage here or sometimes that I purchase, you know, but um, <laughs> a lot of it is something that could grow in the area. Uh, in, yeah. in, you know, middle of Texas. I'm curious where you live. Do you mm-hmm. work with any specific plant spirits or things that are more really specific to Saipan? You know, it, it's an effort that I've recently, like I've recently um, tried to have, um, or tried to uh, attempted is to try to have most of what I work with be locally sourced. Mm-hmm. In terms of things that are super specific, I mean, I can't think of any any plants that I work with here that are like you can only find here, you know, um, maybe like our hot peppers. Like we have really specific kinds of hot peppers Ooh. that have their own like their own kick. Like you don't find that anywhere. At least I haven't. I haven't come across anywhere else that has it. Uh, but very much all the other things, it's like coconut, plumeria, hibiscus, which you can find, which actually the coconut, I'm not too sure, but like I know Pumeri is not, it's not originally from here, um, I think, <laughs> but you can basically find it in other places, you know, so you can, a lot of what I work with, you can find and work with in other Pacific islands like Hawaii or Samoa, um, I would imagine, but even anything super specific. But even what you're describing right now, it may be not specific mm-hmm. to the island that you're on nat- naturally, but yeah, you just named several things that I have never worked with at all, and and yeah. that's kind of. Um, I was just curious how it may be living on an island and inform your practice. And the idea of going outside and getting a coconut is never something mm. I have, <laughs> never something yeah. I've actually <laughs> done before. So yeah, uh, how would you? I'm now I'm curious. How would you use a coconut? Well, this just this goes back into like me just being intuitive about it and yeah. looking at the practical uses of the coconut. So um, there's so many ways that you can prepare it. Like people just eat it fresh. There's the coconut water, there's the coconut meat. Um, to me, it's a very abundant, abundant plant because it gives so much. It has the water, it has the meat. And also like you can do so much uh, of those things like on their own, like you can make different kinds of drinks, you can make coconut oil you can make um, a bunch of other stuff that I should learn how to do but don't know how to do yet Uh, I also think of like the husk if you ever try to husk a coconut it's like really time intensive like it takes a while at least for me because there's a lot there's a lot of layers to peel to machete Um, I don't personally do it I just buy them already (laughs) Uh, already already like process and stuff but the husk is very like robust. The husk, like to get to the actual coconut, you have to go through so much. So I use that for protection or like for cloaking, you know? So I, I look at the practical uses of the plant and then see how that translates into more uh, metaphysical, magical uses. 
yeah, it's kind of sympathetic, like the husk protects, yeah. so it's going to protect mm-hmm. me. I love that. I've never thought about that before. Everyone listening I right know. now, <laughs> if you have access yeah. to coconuts, not yeah, a close practice. <laughs> I um I absolutely where I live in not quite this area, but if you go a little like a little bit down the road, you'll find coconuts um i hope to one day stumble upon a plumeria bush um because the smell is just like so what is a plumeria tell me it's, more it's um a frangipani flower it's a it's like um i don't know it smells very like jasmine vanilla y yeah but it, it's kind of like um oh, not those chompas. are pretty they are pretty. Mm. <laughs> not chompa is supposed <laughs> to smell like it it doesn't if you you burn frangipani it doesn't smell very good but the um the oil smells really delightful it's a very beautiful plant mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so back to the brief again we always go on these tangents <laughs> this this is what makes up like a whole half of the show but i think it's fun yeah. because um honestly the conversation is where the spirit of of the discussion really lives uh in, in my humble opinion so you have a tiktok <laughs> which we talked about yeah. um that's how I uh, uh, first saw your work. Um, before I get too into it, because I'm gonna ask you to tell us about um, making some of the content you do. Mm-hmm. You start every single, almost every single TikTok with you spraying something into your hands. I think I remember yeah. asking you about this once. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that? What is it and why do you do it? Well, that is uh, one of my favorite components to use in any working, which is Florida water. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with some iteration of Florida water. Uh, it's good from, from what I've learned about it. It's you know good for cleansing, clearing, um, inviting good energy in. And it's just, uh, it's really funny because when I first picked it up, you know, it was in the very, very early stages of my practice where I was just kind of looking to buy anything that people said I should buy. So I was like, okay, this is at Walmart. I'm going to go get it. I was in California at the time. And um, so I bought it and I, and I, and I opened it and I started, cause I never knew about, it. I didn't know, I didn't know what it was. And then my uncle was with me and he, like, I opened the bottle and he's like, what is that? What is that, that you're, that you have there? And I was like, oh, it's Florida water. It's this, you know, this uh, spiritual cologne. And he's like, oh, wow. You know, your great grandma always used that. And like, he didn't see the bottle, he just smelled it. And he was like, oh, your great grandma always used that. Like she put it, I think she put it for like fevers and stuff. So that really floored me. You know, I was like, I never knew. And I, I, I've i heard stories about my great grandmother before. And like, she was very a, a present, a, so much of a presence in my life in terms of stories, in terms of, you know, how my other family members experienced her. So, but I've never heard anything about that. And then to hear like, oh yeah, she really, um, she used that like pretty religiously. Uh, it was a very big, like, oh, okay. Kind of, you know, breadcrumb kind of thing. That's really beautiful. So I've just, yeah, you know, it, it, I was just, I was like eye-opening thing. I was like, okay. And I've just used it ever since because it, aside from it just being a wonderful concoction, like it makes me feel a lot more connected to, you know, my line. The um, use of Florida water in folk medicine as well as like folk magic, they're not typically separate, um, goes back, it, it's a very, very old um, 
cologne from Murray and Lenneman. And of course, everybody's made yeah. one one iteration or another, but the like OG Murray Lenneman formula is based off of like other cologne waters from previous prior to it. And a lot of the times, like people will use it for floor washes and things like that. And mm-hmm. also for like fevers, which I found was really interesting. A lot of the times it's applied um, like cologne waters, they're cold waters, not because they're made of water, they're not, they're made of alcohol, um, mm. but they're they're very cooling and they're very like astringent yeah, in what, yeah, yeah. Uh, what they're made with. They're very like, um, I've heard people describe um, Florida water as like almost like minty. And to me, I don't get mm. that. It's very like spicy and yeah. citrusy, but there's mm-hmm. like, um, there is like a mentholic quality to yeah. some of the flower essences that are in there, the synthetic compounds of flower essences that are in there that are very like cooling and, and tightening. And I think that's very, yeah, that I, that makes sense. Mentholic. Yes. <laughs> mentholic. Yeah. yeah. Perfumery has its own strange set of words like phenolic, terpenic, mm. agristic, all the words all of them mm-hmm. I like that um <laughs> so I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about some of your TikTok how you got started creating yeah. some of these videos um you choose some really great like uh, uh sounds and and movie backgrounds mm-hmm. and and you teach a lot of really like interesting and sometimes I would I want to say obscure but kind of obscure yeah. uh lessons on different deities and myths tell us about that yeah thank you um you know, much like much like everything that's happened within like the past two years, it really just fell into my lap. It was never, I was very like bitter millennial, millennial about TikTok. I was like, I am not going to join this app. I'm so comfortable on Instagram with all these other apps that I've, you know, grew up on. Uh, but, you know, just things in my life fell into place in such a way that I don't know, like I was just bored. Like my first few videos, I was just like, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this witchy stuff, let me film it. And I do, like, I do have a background in, like, um, videography. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to play around and see what this looks like. And then I think what what really sets this apart from other stuff that I've done is that I think I've reached a point in my life where I am just not as concerned about making things that I feel other people will like and, like, curating things that I feel are just very nice for me to look at (laughs) you know like so when you say like you know the sounds and everything like those are things that I'm like oh it would I think it will go great with um you know this Rose of Jericho because it just it makes it's like like I I don't know just toot my own horn here but like my Rose of Jericho video where I first uh featured it and then I played a um audio from Death Becomes Her and I was like oh this is just perfect (laughs) this is perfect you know um, but it was, it was very, just a very non-intentional kind of thing. And it just grew, snowballed from there, you know, and it's, it's been, what's really been driving me too is like finding that connection with other like cunning folk or just other people who are interested in, um, you know, the esoteric and the occult, things like that. I um, first came, I don't remember what was the first one I came across, but I was noticing several of them as they were coming out, having the sounds from uh, The Love Witch, which is one of my favorite movies. Love The Love Witch. (laughs) We've got to have a whole episode about The Love Witch, honestly. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, You would sometimes overlay the sounds on top of other things that you were doing Mm -hmm. or 
it was just so clever. I just want to get tooting your horn now. I, it was so clever <laughs> because you. you are taking a soundbite from one of my favorite modern movies mm-hmm. that kind of did a stereotype of, of 70s occult films. Mm-hmm. And, and then you would overlay it with something that was beautifully aesthetically done that you were working with, of course, with the spray. And then you would do something with your hands you're not even usually in the videos a lot of times it's just your hands at your altar (laughs) and and I love that because it really kind of gets the information across without centering you as the star and I Mm. think there are a lot of people on social media who really really love being the okay I'm just spilling down (laughs) they really they love being the center (laughs) and they love being the center and and that's okay every not everyone enjoys the spotlight some people do some people Mm. don't um, I really appreciated that you made the, these videos about the work and you did such a good job with like bringing in sounds from the love witch and death becomes her, which by the way is my tattoo, Siempre Viva, <gasps> Live Forever. <Wow. laughs> yes. That, those two movies though, just mm-hmm. absolute perfection. I cannot, could watch them on repeat forever. Forever. What advice would you give for a new practitioner? I mean, you said you started uh, a mid, like early mid pandemic, like mid quarantine time period. So mm-hmm. about two ish years. Um, yeah. What would you, what advice would you give to someone who was just picking up, say, their first book or their first, their first morsel of information? What would you tell them? Okay. <laughs> I just don't feel qualified to give advice, but. Um... That's actually a first, that's, that's the first bit of advice I think people could really actually use. Okay. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have to give the best advice. Some of the best advice you give comes from the learning mistakes you've made so far. Sometimes very, very it, it comes from recognizing that I don't know enough to tell you more than this. People have asked me questions mm-hmm. all the time on my lives or, or in my, in my, on my questions. And I'm like, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's, it is an answer to be honest that you don't know an answer for something. I don't know anything, <laughs> <laughs> nothing, <laughs> but just to give, just to, just to have a pageantry kind of, you know, just to answer the question, I would say, and this is going completely per, from a, from a personal perspective, you know, for, for me, the way I interpret witchcraft, the journey of the witch is a, a, the journey of self-discovery about learning about yourself it's about mm-hmm. learning about your power and learning about how to harness it and how it connects and relates to everything else in the world uh, so if you are on a you know just at the beginning stages of your of your craft I feel like a really good place to gauge like direction is seeing and feeling where you feel more like yourself or where you're being tr- more truer to yourself or coming more into who you are so that could be like performing certain spells, but it can also be like something very simple, just buying a crystal that you think is pretty. You know what I mean? Not necessarily because you know exactly what it's for, but because it calls to you on a much more instinctual level. Uh, and then I feel like that's always going to guide you where you need to go. If you feel like you're becoming a truer version of yourself, a more um, secure version of yourself. So that's, that's what I would have told me. <laughs> I like that. It really involves yeah. like, uh, for me, honestly, trusting my intuition has been one of the hardest parts of my journey because mm-hmm. I question yeah. myself constantly. So Absolutely. yeah, learning to 
put aside that questioning and that that the anxiety that comes behind did I make that right choice is that the right thing to do and I mean Austin knows I message him all the time like what would you do in this situation like should I do this <laughs> I remember I even yeah. messaged like a really well-known author like I was just like I'm just going to email him I'm going to email yeah. this really well-known author I'm going to I'm going to explain the question and I sent way mm -hmm. too long of an email it was almost embarrassing because he wrote back he wrote yeah. back it would literally oh. after 24 hours he wrote back and it was one sentence and it answered the question. <laughs> it was one sentence. It answered the Fantastic. question um, yeah. outright, but it was just like he probably didn't need all the backstory. He, I could have just. <laughs> Thank um, you for. Yes. So yeah. I'm still making mistakes on a regular basis, and, oh, yeah, and absolutely. I, have a, I have a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think honestly, like sharing those mistakes are definitely how we we. I want to say teach people not to make them, but you know they're going to make them again. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, intuition, back to intuition. I, yeah. I really think that that is something that is one of the greatest lessons working with the craft and being a practitioner can, can, can aid you in. Absolutely. You know, I funny that you say that because I, I always, this is a, a thought that I always reiterate or kind of mull over all the time. It's like, you know, at least, at least from my perspective, there's so much in the world that is, it's structured to make you think that you're powerless, you know, it's structured to make you think that if you don't have this thing, then you don't have any control. If you don't have this degree, you don't have any, you know, worth or value. Uh, so it's very difficult, like you're saying, like le learning to trust your intuition and learning how to kind of just block out those um, very, uh, like, I don't want to say negative, I don't think negative is the right word, but just those like, um, you know, the voices that are telling you that you, that you, oh, this is not going to work, or this is, you know, this is foolish what you're doing. It's, it's a, it's an ongoing process to kind of just get over that, that, um, that thought process, because even in the mundane world, there's so much things telling you that you can't do things, you know, so it's, it's this whole other level of like, stepping into your power and stepping into your truth. Absolutely. Are you working on any projects right now? Are there any things that are in the works for you or um, coming up? <laughs> you have a YouTube too. So I was, I was curious. I do. Do, I you, do. do you want to tell us a little bit like the type of videos that you like to make on there? Well, very much more so I focus on a specific topic and I, and I, and I really draw, draw it out a lot longer. Mm -hmm. uh, so as of right now, I have two videos on there. One of them is on um, Hekati and then the other one is on um, Baron Samadhi. So it's mostly just like informational. It's not necessarily like, it's not teaching. It's just like a profile of these different uh, deities. And I wanted to go to, uh, wanted to explore a lot more of these like spiritual figures uh, focusing more on like, you know, uh, gods and goddesses and certain kinds of spirits and things like that. Um, for purely like, like I said, informational, um, this is what I got from a book kind of, uh, kind of perspective. Yeah. But you know, there so are not... so many, there are like so many modes of, uh, modalities of learning. And I think people, mm. I, I have a hard time sometimes sitting down and just looking at a book line after line mm. after line. And yeah. And I think that there are a lot of really amazing creators. I mean, as a creator, that's why I wanted to bring bring you on because I yeah. love your work. And I like the idea of a creator 
who does some of that work of, of getting the reading and then creating a, a more, um, I don't know, visually pleasing video to learn about some of these things. I think people, especially new practitioners, will jump into deity work and they won't even know the history of the deity they're working with because they're just seeing what they saw in short form videos or what they might've seen mm. on Discord. Well, Damien, thank you so much for being here today. This has been um, really informative and a really fun conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's always such a pleasure to get to talk to other, other cunning folk. So thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Well, you've been listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Witch of Southern Light and on Twitter at MarshallWSL. If you check the link tree in all of my bios, you will see that I have a Redbubble shop where you can check out some of my artwork I've created. Um, I have a, my own personal Patreon where you can ask questions, advice. I have a, a Discord and I put up lots and lots of fun videos and more private off-screen things. And I'm Austin. <laughs> I'm Austin. <laughs> Bain not not off. that kind of off-screen things. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, she does. Well, I, yeah. She does have her own personal Patreon. So mm. <laughs> I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram and Twitter, um, and at BaneXBramble.com, and you can see what my flavor of the week is on the website because. Um, I don't know when this is coming out, so who knows where we'll be by then. Probably around the same time that the vampire stuff is, um, it, that my my essays around vampirism are, are fleshed out, so hopefully you'll be able to see that. Damien, where can we find you and your YouTube that I didn't know you that you had, yes. so. Yes, of course. Um, well, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at... Um, at Hexaterica, that's H-E-X-O-T-E-R-I-C-A. At this time, I'd like to thank our top tier Patreon supporters. Jamesa, Jennifer, Cindy, Giles, Jennifer, V, Keith, Josie the Mountain Troll, Jens, Adidip, Pamela, Nicolette, The Lady Ghost, Seashaw, and Anastasia Beaverhausen. Thank you so much. We truly couldn't do this without you. Mm-hmm.